Lord, teach us to pray. I really love this verse from Luke. And the reason I love it is because we see arguably one of the most humble requests in the entire Bible. And in an age where we're bombarded with nonstop activity and noise, the silence of prayer is desperately needed more than ever in our own lives. And I think the need for prayer can be seen through an analogy like breathing. Because without the vital breath of prayer, our entire livelihood will ultimately be suffocated. Now last week, if you recall, I gave everyone a little bit of homework. Specifically, I asked us to name the primary obstacles which stand between ourselves and the Lord, which are preventing us from having a deeper relationship with Him a deeper relationship of proximity. And for those who have done this and have named any or all of these obstacles, I just want to say thank you and praise God for this. Continue to bring these obstacles into the light of His face. However, if you're still working on trying to name any of these obstacles or haven't named any yet, don't be afraid. It's okay. Just be patient and trust in the Lord's goodness for you and especially for your life and your relationship with our Lord. Continue to place trust in the Holy Spirit to reap the fruits that He so desires to place in your life. Because in all things, as we just heard in our readings, God provides for each and every one of our needs. Now today's readings give us another component for this game plan in trying to achieve this better relationship with Jesus. And yes, it's prayer, but even more though, It's literally the perfect prayer. Jesus teaches us today the Our Father. And in the Gospel, Luke speaks on behalf of the disciples. He echoes this authentic desire for a personal and intimate prayer life. And if we stop and think, this is an amazingly beautiful desire. We can imagine that the disciples seeing Jesus praying to the Father were deeply moved by this love and in love, moved by the proximity between God the Son and God the Father. And so the disciples naturally desire this intimate and proximate relationship with Jesus through prayer. And what better way to realize this desire than for the disciples to go and ask Christ Himself, Lord, seeing how You pray, teach us how to pray. And so viewing the proximity of the Son with the Father within the Holy Spirit, the disciples are ultimately seeking proximity with the Most Holy Trinity. Now the next point I'm going to make may seem obvious, but I just want to be clear. None of us should ever feel ashamed making this request. Simply, the words can never be expressed enough by us. And Jesus wants us to express these words each and every day of our lives. No matter our sinfulness or brokenness, we're always going to remain Christ's disciples. And being disciples of Jesus, He desires nothing more for us and this desire for us to pray. Again, learning how to pray will lead us ever closer to our Heavenly Father, which is the entire goal of the Christian life. And I make this point because it's the very problem we see in our first reading. Namely, the people of Sodom and Gomorrah don't really view themselves as disciples. In fact, they don't view themselves as disciples at all. Rather than seeking proximity with God, 
They instead remain in the proximity of their own sin. And thus they have absolutely, again, no desire to pray to God. And so, really, they direct themselves to their own destruction. In this way, the people are isolated, and they totally deprive themselves of the grace-filled relationship with God and the acts of prayer, who God, above all, is their creator. And I've always read this account as sort of a numbers game, which in a way it is, but I don't think that gives us the best picture. While it's true that Abraham boldly asks God how many people will be saved, he goes from 50 all the way to 10, we hear, this isn't the main point. The main point, I think, is when Abraham says to God, far be it from you to do such a thing, to make the innocent die with the guilty. So rather than focusing solely on the guilty persons or even the innocent persons, Abraham focuses on the innocent, but he focuses on the innocent in the sense of their faith and those persons who are filled with faith. Because truly Abraham and following Abraham, who's our father in faith, God tells us that we shall become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall bless themselves by him. Like God then, Abraham desperately desires disciples in the fullest sense of the word. And although we may be dust and ashes because of original sin, it still doesn't diminish the reality of our human dignity in relation to God, who again is our creator. Truly, each of us will experience this intimacy in prayer when God's vision of who we are, namely, we are beloved sons and daughters of the Heavenly Father, is realized. And this eternal truth will always be a constant source of joy for us. And really, any other reality falls short of our true identity and purpose. Again, communion in heaven for all eternity. And above all, Christ purchased for us the grace of eternal adoption through his baptism and through his death on the cross. And St. Paul tells us this, Christ has obliterated the bond against us, nailing it to the cross. And God the Father then has literally given us the perfect gift. He's given us His Son. And if we understand this and try and see this great mystery in our lives, how could our Heavenly Father deny us any good in our own personal prayer? Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. The more we align our will with the divine will of the Father, truly we will be given all that we desire. As our Heavenly Father, God desires nothing more than for us, His children by grace, to converse with Him and present to Him the entirety of our life. And so referring back then to the analogy of prayer with breathing, I think this is a good summary quote. Prayer is not simply the breath of the soul. Prayer is our refuge of peace. Here one willingly draws from Christ the life-giving waters which both nourishes and transforms our entire existence. And the fruit of prayer and intimacy is most fully realized here at the Mass when we receive Jesus in the Eucharist. Receiving Christ in His body and blood 
we possess the fullness of the Godhead in us. Other than being in heaven itself, there's no greater intimacy anywhere else in the universe. At Mass, in which we pray the Supreme Prayer, each of us are given a taste of the heavenly reality. And so to conclude, I just want to leave you with this thought. This week, I ask that you spend a few moments of silence in prayer, and I ask that you spend this silence praying the Our Father. Dwell on its words and let the grace that Christ desires to give to you may be poured into your hearts. Embrace the heart of the Father so that He may embrace your own heart. And I think one of the best ways to do this is through the prayer of the rosary. Praying the rosary, we can beautifully reflect on the entire life of Jesus and Mary, the goodness of the Father, and most especially the goodness of the Trinity. And in this way, throughout this week, and the rest of our lives, may we begin to say each and every day with growing confidence, Lord, teach us to pray.